0: Yo, welcome to episode four of Sitting In. Today we've got Josh Meader on the podcast, and Josh is a guitarist from Australia, and he sounds a little bit like this. cool right (laughs) anyway the world is a bit crazy right now i hope you're all staying safe and helping those in need if you are able to without further ado i'd like to welcome josh onto the podcast and i hope you enjoy this episode what's up josh how you doing hey man how you going i'm good dude thanks yeah so um thanks for being on the podcast no worries thanks so much for having me um, yeah it's it's, it's pretty cool because i know this is our second time trying to schedule this chat now because of the time difference it's just insane yeah yeah but yeah you're like literally on the other end of the world right now and it's um it's pretty cool that we can connect through this camera thing Mm. this so it's cool so yeah i'm excited to chat to you so how's everything going with you man yeah really good man really good um yeah as i was
1: saying before i just finished uni so i'm having a couple months off and it was a pretty hectic year i um i did honors so it was a lot of writing and and um two two recitals instead of just the one and yeah
0: organizing a lot of music and yeah it was good sweet man that's that's an exciting place to be i remember when i finished my uh degree and it was such a weight off my back like i was like man i can finally actually do music now mm. because um like it was such a great experience but i think you pointed on something that i particularly don't enjoy that much and it's like all the writing mm, it's like nice. i'd rather just like shed and like get a degree for that somehow but um doesn't quite work like that but um yeah so who is Josh Minder? <laughs> you know, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? Um, what yeah, do you do? sure.
1: Um, so I'm a I'm a predominantly jazz guitarist, um, based currently in Sydney, and I've been playing for 15 years now, I think. I started when I was seven years old, um, and kind of went through the whole phase of, of blues and rock, then metal. Kind of shred stuff, and then and then ultimately landed upon jazz. Maybe at twelve or thirteen, um, oh, it's hard to remember exactly when I kind of discovered it, but yeah, it was around that kind of high school, early high school age. Um, yeah, and then yeah, just absorbed it and, and loved it and tried to um, tried to learn as much as I could
0: during those years. Nice, mm. sweet. What um, I'm always interested when people say that they got into jazz like. I guess before the age I got into it because I got into it when I was like 17 or 18, man. Yeah, right. right. Um, So it's like I'm always super interested. It's like what got you into jazz at 12-year-old? Because when I was 12, I had long hair and listened to like heavy metal pretty much. And it's like like, I didn't really know anything further than that. And it's funny because my dad uh, was a jazz drummer. Yeah. And he introduced me to jazz when I was starting to play guitar around the age of 12. Mm. And I was like... You know, I really respect you, Dad, but this just sounds like nonsense to me, and it genuinely did. I remember, yeah. it, and I could probably find a record that you let me hear as well. And um, yeah, times have changed for sure, but um, yeah, I'm interested. In, like, what what's like ignited the the interest in jazz for you, twelve? Well, similarly,
1: I think it was um, it was my dad really because he's a um, a jazz double bass player,
0: and he went to the conservatorium
1: here as well, um, and then moved to Europe, which is which it was originally from born in Amsterdam uh-huh. um, and moved to Australia when I was 11 because my parents were over there. My dad was a, um, a Gypsy Jazz double bass player, so he had a Gypsy Jazz trio that was touring all around Europe and the world and stuff. And I guess that was my wow. first introduction to it. Um, and he used to play me records. Well, there was always kind of jazz going on and around the house with Coltrane and Keith Jarrett was my, is my dad's number one artist, basically. So he was Very always nice. on... Um, and who else? Oh, uh, a couple European guitarists, one called Borelli Legrand and yeah. another called Sylvain Luke. And they had a couple duo albums that my dad would always play as well. So that was, I guess, my whole first interaction um, with jazz. And then, but yeah, as, as kind of similarly to you, I didn't understand it at all and it would kind of just fly over my head. I could appreciate like the technicality of it because coming from like a shred background, I was... I was pretty impressed by that and always um, my dad always taught me improvising kind of first and like that was the first introduction to music it was through improvising like just blues blues stuff um, wow, awesome. So I really respected how crazy their improvisation skills were. I guess that's probably the biggest turning point. I just was so astounded by how they could improvise um, those incredible lines and and connect chords and
0: yeah and
1: all that stuff. So do
0: you think that the the music you were introduced to, particularly the artists, were definitely much more the kinda inspiration than the genre itself. Cause I Yeah, definitely um For example, like I'm pretty sure if my dad let me hear Pat Martino on Sunny as the first jazz thing I heard, I'm pretty sure I could have got into it. But maybe he just let me hear something that was a bit too Because like, I dunno. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, no, that makes heaps of sense, man.
1: Yeah, I can't. I guess my dad told me like it was jazz, but right. it was definitely, yeah, more about the artists, like Borrelli Legrand and Sylvan Luke were the two biggest inspirations coming from like a guitar point of view. Um, and then also he gave me a couple, he basically gave me a bunch of tracks, MP3s on like an iPod or something for me to just check out and listen to. I didn't probably check them out until till maybe 12 or 13 but they were there yeah. and I could just kind of yeah go to them if I wanted to explore it another one was Miles Davis and the so like the, the what's it called um, um, the album with So What and stuff on it yeah. um, of course kind of okay. blue. blue yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and just Keith Jarrett as well it took me a while to understand Keith Jarrett like that was probably the the toughest one for me to hear especially is improvisation for some reason i can't remember yeah i don't know why but yeah it was all about the yeah. artists really rather than the style wow, I cool. really.
0: that, that's tons of interesting stuff i never never knew about you so fast forward uh, quite a while so you were born in amsterdam am i right yeah, yeah yeah so what age were you in amsterdam when you started playing i was seven over there
1: seven and a half Um, And the reason I started playing was because my dad kind of left the the Gypsy Jazz Trio and then started teaching kind of full time. And um, he took on my best friend as a guitar student. And I was kind of, I was like, oh, I kind of want to do that too, to be like my friend. Um, And then my dad was like, well, if you're going to do it, we're going to do it seriously. And he, he bought me a guitar when I was four years old. But I didn't really I just strummed around with it. I didn't really take yeah. to it, I don't think. There's um there's footage of me just like whacking it <laughs> and jumping around the room but sure. not really playing seriously. And then yeah, so at seven and a half he was like, Okay, if you're gonna do it, um, I'm gonna teach you every day and give you a lesson before school. So it was kinda like wake up an hour before school started and we did an hour and then I and then school was so close, like it was a two minute walk or something being in Amsterdam. That was like a real cool cool thing um and then yeah I would just have like daily daily lessons with him and he'd sit with me as well and he'd kind of learn stuff the night before and then show me and run through technical exercises with me and and um
0: yeah that was
1: that was huge absolutely huge I reckon
0: yeah yes awesome so was your dad teaching you while he played bass or was he picking up the guitar to teach you it? Oh he he
1: oh sorry he was um he's originally a guitarist so he was a right, um kind of rock uh shred guitarist um from here so from sydney and he was playing in a bunch of bands kind of my age now and then eventually transitioned to jazz i can't remember what age and then picked up the double bass but i can't remember what age it was but yeah so he he had a definite like guitar background so
0: nice well that that's cool stuff man i think um one thing that is is quite cool to hear is that you were it was more about the improvisation than necessarily the mm. implications of the genre itself even though improvisation is one of the largest ones mm. so can you remember your first experience improvising and how that felt
1: not really i'm going to be honest man i'm not really all right yeah i'm trying to think no i don't i don't think so I think, because right. I, I remember, sorry, and you go. Uh, no, you go, Ben. Yeah, that was better. Yeah, go off somewhere else.
0: All right. I was saying, because um, I do remember my first experience. Yeah, and really? And it was like magic. And it was, um. Oh, wow. essentially, it's because I had I'd got a guitar for Christmas and I'd practiced the whole summer just on my own, like through YouTube and stuff. Oh, great, Ben, yeah. And somehow I managed to learn the solo to sweet child of mine. Which was, like, ridiculous considering how little I'd actually play guitar. But yeah. I couldn't actually play it in time. I thought I could. But mm. um, anyway, that was my thing. And so then I got back to school and the teacher was like, oh, we need to get you guitar lessons because they were free at school. We got free education um, in our instruments. Oh, man. It's different now. I don't know what it's like for you guys. but Yeah, we definitely did get free tuition.
1: That's awesome that they had that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they've stopped it now, unfortunately. But... um. Yeah, we got free tuition, and what happened was I told the guitar teacher I was like, yeah, so I've learned switch out of mine, and he was like, oh, cool. Well, let's start with that. Mm. And it was the first, first time I'd ever played in, like with another person. I was so bad. I didn't know how to play with someone else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my timing was way out. And anyway, yeah. Well, man, we ended up being like, sorry,
1: that's cool. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's cool enough, but um, the the way that I got into improvisation through that was that we kind of put that tune on the the back burner for a while and he taught mm. me some things like help help me actually get in playing in time. And then maybe, I don't know, say four months later, we're like, all right, cool, let's revisit the uh, Sweet Child of Mine solo. And he was like, well, you should probably try learning the scale that they use in the solo. And it was like mostly just the pentatonic scale, minor scale. Um, and he taught me that. And he's like, all right, cool, so I'm going to play some chords. And he played, like, an e-blues, and I just played around the pentatonic scale. And I was just like, whoa, like, we just made that up right now. Like, I'm just playing these notes. And it yeah, probably yeah. sucked, but it was that sort of, like, magic moment of, like, spontaneous musical creation that was like, oh, wow, I didn't have to plan anything. It was, like, just me. But then I kind of just uh ignored it for kind of for years i mean i was always like jamming stuff but then it wasn't until i came back to going to college and like really started to get into kind of blues and funk and infusion and eventually jazz that i mm. kind of continued to pursue improvisation but um yeah i was just interested if you could remember that first moment because it was so um so it's so vivid for me yeah that's awesome you remember it man i wish i wish yeah. i did but yeah i had nothing yeah yeah cool. So um fast forward to now, you have just finished your degree, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so where did you study? What was the college
1: called? It's the Sydney Conservatorium of Music. And um I guess it's the main main music college in in Sydney at least. Um
0: Yeah, and it was really good. Really good. Yeah, can you tell me a bit about your college?
1: Sorry, it's right next to the opera house, actually. So I, that gives you kind of ah. visualisation.
0: It's very close to it. Nice. Yeah. Cool. So, can you tell me a bit about your uh, your college kind of situation, your life? Like, what classes did you take? Mm. How long did you study for? You no, know, sell sell the course to me right now. Yeah, I will. I sure will, man. Uh, so it was it was four years, and um,
1: I I almost saw it as like two chunks. Like the first and second year were very organized and all the classes were planned uh and set already within your curriculum and they included like different things like um jazz history and um a kind of like an ear training class and then a harmony and arranging class as well so those were more like the kind of um written subjects and then you had your performance ones which were small ensemble large ensemble, like a big band, and then an improvisation class. So that was, that's basically what first and second year was for me, all those classes, and that didn't really sure. change. Um, but then what I preferred, which was third and fourth year, which is where you could kind of go off and do your own thing, and it was, it was much less work, which kind of just let me do my own thing, and, and that's when I really got into writing music, which was probably the biggest thing for me that I got out of like, college like actually yeah. writing tunes I reckon.
0: Yeah. Cool. Nice. So can you tell me a bit about like how you um because I guess you got some sort of like uh maybe one to one or group kind of guitar or uh, jazz lesson or something like that. How did that work? Yo, sorry for interrupting. I'll just be one minute. If you're receiving value from this podcast, Please consider uh, supporting me by going to teespring.com forward slash sitting-in-podcast dash dash where you can uh, you can buy some nice merch. And yeah. Cheers. Yeah,
1: so that was part of it as well. And, and they kind of have a set teacher for all first year students that go to the con. Um cool. Yeah, an awesome awesome guitarist called Steve Bryan here in Sydney. He's a um, really awesome bebop guitarist. And um, yeah, he was really sick. And um, he kind of like, the lessons were really structured, like kind of bebop language and, and tune learning. So we kind of learned tunes on the spot in the class. And I'd, he'd recommend trying to memorize the chord progression, obviously. And, and so that was cool. So we did maybe like two or three tunes a lesson. So it was really was wow. really quick. Yeah, to be kinda quick at memorising the, the chords and so that was really good practice actually. Um yeah, I really like those lessons. And then second year I had another guitarist from Sydney called Carl Jewhurst. He's awesome as well. And um his lessons he, he specializes in a lot of odd time stuff. Um he kind of he does guitar but he also is a very good drummer and um he was studying, he studies with one of the main kind of drum teachers in Sydney called Simon Barker. And, um, cool. and he has a huge kind of knowledge about traditional Korean music and kind of brings that into jazz and combines it and, and, um, nice. it influences his whole process basically. And, and a lot of odd time stuff comes out of that. So that's when I was first introduced to that. Cause I couldn't play odd time for shit in first year, almost the second year. It took me a while. Right. I just I couldn't fathom how someone's licks could work in four four, and then somehow it like I thought you had to learn a whole new set of licks for five four, for seven four, right. because like all the harmonic and rhythmic cadences would be thrown out. Yeah. Um, so that's what I originally thought, and I just couldn't play it at all. It was absolutely hopeless. Right. But um, so Carl Juhurst was the first one to introduce me to kind of a like a clave system. Um, and using um, short and long rhythms like twos and threes or ones and twos to break up like a 5-4 bar or a 7-4 bar yeah. and practice different subdivisions and, and pulses underneath like different rhythms and stuff. And that just opened the door completely to playing out, playing um, over odd tempo stuff. So that was huge that whole year with, nice. with um, Kyle Dewhurst. And um, the guitar I'm playing now, the, the AS200 was his one as well, so... At the end of the year, he was like, oh, Josh, I know you were really interested in this guitar. I'm going to sell it. Do you want it for like, a pretty awesome price? I was, yeah, 100% yes.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, that's cool. That's a really cool thing to take away like from yeah, definitely. a set of lessons from someone that you can respect. Mm. Um, sometimes I have this thing where I almost don't want to play other people's instruments in case I want it. Yeah, you know it's like I, it's kind of weird it's like this ignorance because it's like I have my set of instruments and I know that I like them yeah. and sometimes like you know if I take a lesson with someone or I'm jamming with someone and they have a really nice guitar hmm. I'm like I'm ch- sometimes just not interested in like even touching it because I'll probably want it Yeah, (laughs) I don't know if it's because they've played it you know like Kurt Rosenwinkel could play a bloody like Squire guitar and I'd be like you know what Squire's pretty cool now (laughs) yeah Squire's the (laughs) guitar for me (laughs) yeah but um yeah fast or uh, sorry going backwards a little bit to your first two years I think it was yeah can you talk to me a bit about the lessons where you would have to do like say three tunes and was that that like like an hour
1: yeah yeah there were our lessons yeah
0: so what was that situation was it like he would play the tune or you'd just get a lychee and it was what was that experience like because it sounds pretty like quite a big thing to do in yeah such a short period of time I
1: guess I I would never learn the melodies like he would always just come into the lesson and be like oh I've been jamming on this tune he'd maybe play me a, a clip of it online like his favorite version that he was checking out that week um and then he'd, he'd kind of play me the chords and go through each bar. And um, there was no, I don't, yeah, there was no chord charts or anything from memory. It was all just, he he kind of played it to me. And then after that, we'd play the chords together a couple of times until I got it in my head. Then he'd play the melody over it. And then we would just kind of jam and, and solo and trade. And, and cool. yeah, we did that over a couple of tunes each lesson. I'm pretty sure. Yeah.
0: And so it was, it was mostly like a, I guess, oral skills then, like how you can hear the chord changes. Yeah. It wasn't like, here's a lead sheet, like, let's make sense out of that.
1: No, no, it wasn't any of that. It was really about playing, which was awesome. And as soon as second year started, like I, it was, um, like a huge hole kind of just came into my like course because I didn't have that anymore. Like I didn't have that weekly kind of just sitting with another guitarist jamming out tunes each week, um, which was so awesome yeah it's really cool
0: yeah i think that's one that's one thing that i do miss from being in the college environment is like it's not the accountability but it's like just having people like always like mentors mm, you know like yeah. having access to them like uh every day i guess or every college day and um i think that's something i found sort of hard to keep up since i finished is like just remembering to like take lessons every now and then and mm. like learn from other people because you know there's everything you want to learn you can chuck on a record and learn it like yeah. you're kind of in that position but just having that sort of like hour or whatever it may be a week mm. it's like oh man that's that's what i miss the most i think yeah what yeah. do you what do you think you're gonna miss the most I from like that. this last
1: yeah having that weekly connection with another muso that you really respect and i just want to get everything they learn from and um, I guess each week you have an opportunity to chip away at that,
0: and yeah. Nice, cool. So you've just finished your uh, your uh, your degree. Congratulations! Mm-hmm. It's a good times ahead, I'm sure. But uh, what is what's on the cards for 2020? Because we've just entered a new year. You've finished yeah. your degree. Like you must be pretty stoked to get going. Yeah, for sure, man.
1: Yeah. Um, so I guess first off, I'm going to Nam in a week and a half or two weeks. Which is going to be my first time in the States, uh, let alone, yeah, a big convention
0: like that. Which is,
1: which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah, so that's going to be awesome. Really keen for that. Have
0: you um, are you hooked up with any like companies or anybody who's going? No, or are you just going to go on as a solo? Yeah, just a solo. I,
1: I mean, I know people that are going to be there. Like the main guitar shop, um, that's near me. That I I kind of did work experience there for a while, and I know the dudes very well. We've bought... <laughs> numerous guitars and pedals and amps. Nice. Um yeah, we're good friends and so they're going as a as a group they're all going. Um nice. so I'll know them there and then um one of my students um regular students here in Sydney, his dad's kind of hooked me up with like an artist pass from someone, so that's cool. That's very nice. handy. And um and yeah I just know a couple of people that I know are gonna be like in the booths and and kind of playing and stuff so yeah it should be
0: yeah should I, hope, be awesome. I hope you have a fun time at that I think I've uh I've been so close to actually like going to NAM as well but I've never been and um I was like it was this time last year I was like honestly about a day away from just booking flights to LA and because I've got friends over there and like a few people that says oh you can crash at mine I was like oh nice um but then I just decided that it wasn't the right kind of right kind of thing for me at that time, but um, yeah, man. After the chat, remind me that you're going to Nam because it'd be good to try and uh, hook you up with some people. Um, if you're interested, maybe meet some kind of cool cool people. But um, yeah. So Nam, what's 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 happened after that? Um, yeah.
1: So that's first, and then basically um. Throughout the con, I mentioned like kind of writing and, and writing my own tunes. So that formed like a large part of my uh, thesis and my um, final recital, or final two recitals really in the last year, because I've been with a, with a group of musos all my age um, for I guess the longest is, is eight years, no, 10 years. So the drummer, one of my best friends, Alastair Hayes is his name, um, we met, yeah, in first year, first year at, at high school. Um, and we've been all the way through high school and then the con as well together. So, him and then piano player called Matt Harris, a bass player called Oscar Peterson, if you would believe it. <laughs> <laughs> and then a saxophone player called Zach Olson. And I met the other guys kind of a few years later, but during high school as well, during kind of outer curriculum bands out-of-school out of bands and um, yeah and then we all did the con together same year except for the piano player He's a year below but um, so I always write it with those guys in mind so they were kind of my band and um, uh, yeah I would write the tunes for that kind of quintet like jazz quintet uh, kind of Kurt Rosaminkle style sound um, so I would really love to record us kind of this year early this year if i can um so i'm thinking maybe end of february early march um but the only pretty soon yeah yeah i mean all the tunes are kind of ready to go and we've rehearsed them a bunch because they were all just performed during my recital so they've had a lot of rehearsal um just to get them up but the yeah the only like the only hiccup is um uh, the piano player, Matt Harris, he's doing a he's doing a uh, semester at UCLA um, right. right now, basically. So, he's over there. So, he won't be back until July. Um, and I really want to get it done sooner rather than later. Just time. Yeah. Yeah. So, we'll see.
0: Oh, that's funny. We're almost in a similar position because I'm working with my band on my project just now. Mm. And uh, the keyboard player funny enough, is actually going to be in Sydney from February till nearly April. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, our keyboard player's leaving us. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's cool, man, nice. So that's obviously quite a big a big deal. Is that mm. your first like, record as yourself, or yeah. do you have other things out?
1: I have a few things with my dad because we do a guitar duo thing together. Oh, wow. And we've been playing nice. together maybe seven or eight years uh, just doing standards and popular tunes in kind of a jazz way. Similar, I guess but really the Grand Sylvan Luke is our main inspiration, but just less yes. crazy
0: because <laughs> 'cause they're absolute freaks. Um, so I think yeah, no, you can you can play those things, man. Some of the stuff you play is just insane. Like I'm always just blown away by your playing man. Like seriously. And whenever I share it, like people are always commenting or like Oh yeah. my god, like this guy's a monster, but not like to blow steam up your ass or anything. <laughs> yeah. I'm just being honest. Thanks so much. And, man. um, yeah, like you've obviously touched on your mentors at college and your dad has been kind of a big role model. Mm. But who are some of your major inspirations outside of that, mm. uh, kind of Sydney bubble?
1: Outside the Sydney bubble, sorry. So, like, artists,
0: yeah, just I guess any time period, just your uh, in musicians who have had maybe the biggest impact on you
1: yeah so i reckon i could say the number one person as far as improvisation and and one of the main kind of pulls to jazz was chris potter i'd say cool like he's probably the biggest one i remember listening to him kind of yeah first year of high school probably like the first song i ever heard from him was um the solo he did on on uh west of hollywood i think is the tune right. the steely dan tune and he has, like, a four-minute outro solo that absolutely, like, blew my 12-year-old mind <laughs> and shattered it. Because, imp- yeah, it's just I could not fathom how anybody could improvise I need, at that I need level. To, uh,
0: can you just remind me what that track's called? I'll, yeah, I'll sure, man.
1: It's, um, the track is West of Hollywood, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Steely Dan
0: tune. It's a killer it's, tune. Is it well. Steely Dan or is it Chris Potter playing that tune?
1: It's Steely Chris. Dan. Yeah, it's Steely oh, right. I didn't
0: know he actually played with them. Yeah, wow. he
1: played them for a
0: couple of albums. which Oh, wow, right. They're all awesome. They're so good. Sweet. I'm going to check that out. Nice one. Yeah. I think the first time I listened to Chris Potter, it was something. Oh, man. It was one of his albums that has like maybe a moon on the album art or something like that. Okay. Or a sun and a moon. Or...
1: Yeah, right. I don't know yeah yeah yeah
0: but it was pretty cool I've I've not actually checked out his stuff too much but anyway sorry for interrupting that tune just rips
1: so hard and the solo is phenomenal yeah I awesome. couldn't I couldn't believe it um the first time I heard it and coming straight from like I guess the transitioning artist between shred and and jazz was Guthrie Govan same, same here yeah yeah he was absolutely huge as well for those for those couple uh, of years there um,
0: yeah are there any particular pieces by him that kind of drew you in because there's one in particular for me that i was like oh wow okay i think the
1: yeah. first one i heard was probably fives that recording on youtube That was probably yeah. the first one i heard but my favorite one was always waves and um that kind of drew me into the the whole album and and yeah i love all the tracks on the album to be honest but waves is probably the, the standout for me
0: nice yeah for me it was uh the tune wonderful slippery thing yeah and it wasn't, like, the funkiness of it. It was as soon as he started playing, like, a, it was the the part he goes in, like, just straight eights, and he's, like, just playing all these bebop lines. Mm. And I was like, what the... Like, I'd never heard anything like that before. Yeah, And um, I was like, this guy's playing, like, jazzy things, for lack of yeah. a better term, over, like, funk. And I was like, I play funk. I can do that. And I was just like, man, that's so cool. And that led me into... You know, asking my teacher like, well, "What's happening here?" And so we we kind of looked over that, and it was, yeah, that was like a very kind of important four-bar section or something for me in my development. And just that, like hearing how someone plays over changes, really was my introduction to, uh, I guess, in a way, jazz. But yeah, yeah, waves is also killer, though. So yeah, like, I think it was riff. it was really like the chromaticism that that like expanded.
1: Like yeah, I was just like, oh, what the hell? How do you even do that? Like putting chromatic notes that are outside the key, but make them sound inside, because you're like landing the the nice notes on the on the good beats and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, whoa, what the what the hell? How do you yeah. how do you do that? And then um, yeah, and then West of Hollywood was always always playing. I can remember like riding my bike to high school and just blasting that nonstop for forty minutes. While I was writing
0: right. to High <laughs> School. Um oh, that's cool, good. man. Yeah. yeah I, I wish. wish I'd gotten into music like that when I was fourteen or whatever age you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good track. I've like I've wanted to transcribe the full solo, but I guess I know it so well. Yeah, that I d I don't yeah, yeah. I don't need I, to. I know
0: what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. So a- any other inspirations you want to touch on or
1: I guess yeah, Guthrie Gumman and and, and Chris Potter, they're probably the two that got me into jazz. And then once I was into jazz, I I uh, loved Coltrane and Keith Jarrett was a huge one. Um, Miles Davis as well. Oh, Cannonball. Right. Cannonball, absolutely love all his stuff. And, um, yeah, I guess those are the main ones. And then branched off and checked out everyone, of course. And, yeah
0: yeah nice so have you found out any artists in uh 2019 uh that are kind of new for you then you're like oh yeah nice um i don't
1: know man i've been on a pretty like obscure path for the past like six months with like music listening and it's all been more like hip-hop and um trap music which is kind of odd all right that's, like, all I've been kind of checking out for the past six months, I reckon. Um, That's interesting. What drew you to that? I think it... I don't know, man. I have no idea. <laughs> but, I, I right. like, if I had to guess, it would be, like, just the, the rhythmic aspects of it. Yeah. um, Especially artists that can actually rap incredibly well, like Logic and, I guess, Ebenem oh, as yeah. well. I
0: actually... I saw uh, Logic Live. Oh, really? Um, Fuck. How was that? Yeah. All right, I'm going to be honest, uh, the worst gig of my life. Oh, shit, dude. Yeah, I'm sorry. Rushing. Um, <laughs> like, I know, he's like, some some of his stuff is really great, but yeah. I'm not sure if it was because he was at the end of the tour. Like, I think it was the last date, yeah. and he maybe had, like, a sore throat or something, but he'd, like, he'd honestly do, like, 16 bars and then start being, like, Scotland, are you hype? And, like, do that for, like, yeah. five yeah. minutes. And then he'd, like, do another, like, honestly, 16 bars, and it's, like are you tired or something, man? It was like, I left early, actually. Oh, it's the really, only gig bro. I've ever left early. It was just frustrating, man.
1: What are you doing? And also you? the... <laughs> I
0: know. But um, no, that that's cool, because I remember when I was about nine, I was really into Eminem. Yeah, yeah. And okay. so the rhythmical aspect of that stayed in me until now. Yeah. And I remember one day, you know, because my brother's really into hip-hop, him being over and uh, just playing some tracks. And... Yeah. uh. I I, I drew a line between the rhythmic kind of phrasing in rap music and how you can improvise. And that was quite a kind of light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh, Oh, yeah, yeah. cool. Like like, the way Eminem uses uh, like six tuplets and 16th notes, Mm. it's like it's easily transferred into like playing any other instrument. And so so I think I can understand how you've managed to get there. But um, I also think that it's so or at least it has been so hip to like kind of check out Dilla and all that stuff yeah. lately at least in the last like four years I think it's um it's become quite mainstream in a way yeah. um yeah so, sure. so yeah and I've heard you playing over some of that stuff as well I think yeah you the Slum the Village videos. stuff
1: is amazing nice um yeah I guess like Robert Glasper ties into that as well as an artist that bridges that and kind of like the modern modern version and um yeah taking into new levels and yeah yeah he's got yeah the awesome band august green with like common and stuff like robert glass but yeah common. they're sick and Thanks. um yeah yeah so yeah
0: i've been just checking out heaps of that stuff recently <laughs> nice so obviously you've been playing guitar since you were uh Around five, four, seven? Uh, what age did you actually start? And seven and a half. Seven. Was really, yeah. right. But you've had a guitar in the house since you were like four, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So it's been on your radar for nearly all your life, right? What yeah. age are you now, Josh? man. What age are you now? I'm 23. Just turned 23. 23, cool. Mm. So as someone sitting where they are at 23, um, you must have practiced your ass off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure we can all definitely hear that. I'm kind of, this is a very kind of large topic and um, kind of go as far with it as you want. But throughout these uh, however many years you've been playing, I can't do the quick math. but um, what has been, I'm, I'm guessing this has changed quite a lot, but your, your approach to practice, where is it at right now? Yeah. Okay, man. Um, so at the moment, I kind of like,
1: I have, I almost have different um, categories in my mind, like different routines I can access if I want to do a certain thing or like improve a certain thing. Cool. Um, so I guess they are like a technical thing, like a technical set of exercises, routines um, and categories related. It's all related to right hand, really. Like that's, I just break up technique into right hand. I don't really right. think about a left hand too much. Um, and it's always been like that. I mean, I used to like... I always like, dimmed the computer screen down to zero, so it was just black, so I could get a reflection on my right hand and then I'd sit so my right hand was in the middle of the screen and I could see how it was looking. And I just looked at that and it was, it. was I split it up into like four techniques, I guess. So it's like economy or sweeping, alternate legato, um, like a kind of jazz type of legato um, that Schofield and Pat Metheny use and an incredible jazz guitarist here in Australia called James Muller, if you've heard of him. Yeah. Absolutely phenomenal. He was a huge inspiration as well
0: throughout. Has he not played with uh I'm sure I've heard him play with Kreisberg somewhere, no? Uh
1: I don't think so. Like maybe
0: just on YouTube or something, no? Maybe. Or maybe it's someone else I'm thinking about. Maybe in recent years I don't think so though, man. Yeah, it might be someone else.
1: Um, um he's a beast though, yeah, I definitely recommend like checking him out and anybody <laughs> listening, is ridiculous. Um, so it was that legato style. And then the last one was, um, kind of like an off, um, like topic version of alternate picking, which is like an inside picking. So I just focus on the inside stroke between changing strings. So, you know, how alternate picking, like you can slam it on the down stroke, like when you change strings and it feels really natural, but my like inside pick always felt wrong. And, um, really awkward so I spent a lot of time just like isolating that little portion so it was just all about the inside stroke and just jumping between like third and fourth string basically but on the like
0: inside plane um and are you playing lanes while you do that or are you just focusing on right hand like left hand could chop it off well, I guess I like I'm making up
1: exercises, fingering exercises to do it. So just like a minor third if I wanted to do that inside one.
0: So just a minor yeah. third, minor
1: third all the way up the neck. I might do like six in so a row.
0: on the D down. and G string, you say?
1: Yeah, D and G string, yeah. So
0: you are you downstroking in the flat third, upstroking in the root?
1: Exactly, yeah. No, no, and just that no. over and over again. Yeah, so repeating no. that motion. Um, And I did heaps of that because it just felt so awkward for me I guess it's still, like, in a way it still does, but I've I've gotten used to it and worked around it. Um, but it might just be the way I pick, because it's kind of, like, weird. I hold it with, like, those fingers, and then my pinky sticks oh, wow. out like that. Three thing like that? Yeah, yeah, exactly, like that, man. Yeah, that's it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like...
0: Right, because I know Mike Moreno does, uh, I think, the two middle fingers and keeps, like, nearly these, he <laughs> these does the fingers three. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: yeah, and that was just shown to me by my dad, and I just, yeah, I just went with it. Um, yeah. And it feels completely natural now. I guess, like, when I was growing up, I always wanted to switch to the Guthrie way of picking, which was, like, holding it like that.
0: Yeah, that's how I hold it.
1: Yeah, and I was, I was just like, ah, oh, I wish I could switch. But then... I'd get worried because I was like, oh, all my progress will be lost if I just switch now. And it was maybe like when I was 13 or 14 and I
0: just couldn't imagine changing Do you you hybrid pick a lot? Not at all, no. I can't. Because I I think I quite like hybrid picking. And especially when I'm like, instead of just dropping the pick, say I'm like comping in sort of jazz. It's like I quite like the chords to be uh, sometimes quite blocky yeah like you know like I'm not having to strum down it's like every note comes out at once quite percussive so I just uh pick the usually the the lowest note and then I've got all these fingers free for the other notes yeah yeah whereas if I held it with three fingers I'd find it impossible to like kind of hybrid pick like that like that'd be yeah yeah exactly I kind of I switch between
1: the way I pick lines and then the way I pick chords so I do the same approach to you with the chords with the fingers Because, yeah, I prefer that. Like, the strum sound of chords sounds whack, unless you're doing, like, a rhythmic thing, I reckon. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, so I kind of switched. So I've had to, like, figure it out, like, a quick switching mechanism, I guess, with my right hand. And then the other one is, like, when you want to use all four fingers or all five fingers to pluck a chord, like a five-note chord. So it's, Mm -hmm. like, I have three different picking (laughs) variants. Um, Right. That I try and switch between and like the five one is like slipping the pick in between like the two fingers there and then back there for chords and then back there for lines, chords, five note
0: chords. <laughs> yeah. Right. So that seems like something you've really like considered. Was it, is it because there's been like maybe compositions or pieces or lines or transcriptions projects of some sort that have demanded that technique out of you or are you just yeah, naturally definitely. curious?
1: No, no, it's right. definitely like I wanted to emulate a Barreli Legrand chord that has five notes. So I need to play it somehow using the pick, and then quickly jump to a line.
0: So I have to switch, switch them up, and yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. I've, uh, that sounds like a very like a uh, a lot of like different things you can call upon just for your technique. Yeah. So how does that work for you? Is it like you'll sit down in the evening or morning whenever you're going to practice and is it like you just play and see what needs to be worked on or do you have each week each day some sort of like a schedule?
1: I guess like um, a couple years ago when I was I was kind of doing that routine every day so I'd, I'd have I'd do maybe two of them in the morning or something before school or three of them how much time I had and then I kind of saved transcription for the middle of the day, so during school, so I'd I'd like lunch break or recess or whatever when I got home. And then the evening would be more kind of technical stuff and I'd I'd finish off the rest. And um, so I did all of high school using that kind of method. It was really all technical stuff. And then transcribing was my way to learn new language and um, new songs and
0: um, how to improvise as well, I guess. So would you say that your practice was largely split into just two sections, technique and transcription? Exactly, man, yep. Yep. Oh, nice. yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah,
1: and transcription so was huge because I didn't have a teacher throughout high school, so it was the only way I was gonna learn new stuff. So I remember, in, I remember in maybe second year of high school, I figured out that like transcription was a thing and like I downloaded a little like slowdown app on my phone just one lunchtime, went in, I was like, ah, oh, there's this Borrelli de Grenlic on So What that I really want to learn. But I have no idea what he's doing. I'm just going to load it up into the slow downer and see if I can figure it out, like if I slow it down. Chill. And that just sparked the entire thing. And then every day I would transcribe a couple lines during lunch break and recess. And, um, yeah, just trying and amass as much language as I could throughout those high school hey, so- years. Mm.
0: No, that's that's cool, man. I think um, one thing that stands out to me is, so when you're in college, right, mm. um, potentially, I mean, maybe it'll end up being different, but it tends to be the case that you have more time to practice when you're at college than you do when you finish college. Um, so I'm interested, are you going to try and keep up that morning, afternoon, evening routine now or in the next sort of year while you're not at college?
1: oh yeah i've thought about it i basically like i've reached a point of technique where i can go without practicing all those things and i stay at the same place basically i might like shift slightly like it might not be as accurate on some things um particularly like sweeps i guess that's maybe sweeping is almost the first thing to go i'd say and like just alternate picking accuracy and sweeping probably the first two things to for me to kind of disappear but um, it's all at a pretty good level where I'm comfortable and I don't have to I haven't had to practice technical stuff like that for maybe 2 or 3 years now I reckon All right cool um, so that I guess that leads me on to like the other brackets of practice so transcribing's always been huge and I reckon that took over transcribing and writing took over in and um, yeah transcribing writing and just like improvisation practice uh, took over for me during um, uni, um, especially second, third, and fourth year. Um, so those are other categories of practice. So we like add technical transcription improvisation. So that's over chord changes, new chord progressions, and yeah. uh, just general like loops and stuff. And um, I guess that includes also a category which I like is my main practice now which is just like jamming over
0: different uh,
1: grooves, basically. Cool. So just loading is up. Is that
0: where the uh, Drum Genius app or exactly, Loop or something?
1: Yeah, yeah, Drum Genius is just all that. So I'll yes. click a random one. Often I go to like, I kind of, I like checking out all the different like world music beats. So I'll just click like like um, some kind of African thing and, and check it out and see how like jazz language fits over that and if I can play with the rhythmic aspects of it i don't really like sit down and completely analyze what's going on like all the different parts how they're interlocking but just generally like the groove and the feeling of it um and i'll just sit there for half an hour and just jam out lines to it so just have like a, a, a fun fun kind of practice basically <laughs> that's right. how i think of nice, it nice sweet
0: yeah so uh, one i guess one of the biggest things is transcription for you then right mm, and yeah. i I can't remember exactly which one it was, but I'm pretty sure the first time I heard you play it was a transcription, a Chris Potter solo. Yeah. And it was just absolutely like insane. Like the, the lines that Chris had played and you had emulated on the guitar was like very, very impressive and like just sounds amazing. Yeah. Like so. how how often do you have a big transcription project like a Chris Potter solo?
1: Um not too often, actually.
0: Or is it, more, is it usually more like small chunks of like, like language oh, that you're trying to get down?
1: Yeah Yeah, it's all just small language. And it was like that during high school. So the only, I only really started doing full solos like four years ago when I started posting, basically, like three, four years ago. Um, but yeah, and before then it was just like I'd isolate just a line over a particular chord like I, that I wanted to learn how to play over. And just internalize that. And then whenever that chord came up in a song, I'd just kind of insert it and see how it sounded yeah. and try and get in and out of it <laughs> at sure. either end. Um, yeah, and that's that's um, kind of how I'd learned to solo different progressions and build up kind of a language for each chord. Just like I have a All big right. bucket of information that I can slot in. Whenever I hear something, yeah. and that was then. That was I guess cool it's. Work. I guess it's kind of changed now, and everything's kind of blended together. But yeah, yeah.
0: no, but I, it's it's so important to learn mm, language because it's like you know. Yeah. Anyway, we won't get into that just yet. One thing I want to ask you about is um, the the hardest transcription you have ever undertaken. Okay, what yeah. is that's a good question, man. The most difficult one. Maybe it's a tonal thing, or maybe it's a harmonic, or maybe it's a speed thing. Like. I'm interested.
1: Yeah, to be a speed thing. So it's it's either um, the, I think it was two or three choruses that I did of Anthropology by Brad Meldahl, that awesome live recording. Um, yeah, of
0: Anthropology and the solo is absolutely insane. Recommend checking it out. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> so no,
0: I, I really want to get better at like playing. It's not about playing quicker, but being able to play language quicker because... Mm i don't know i find sometimes i just trip up over my feet when i try and like kick it up a notch and i'm i feel like i'm playing more like muscle memory you know yeah it's like it's i think it takes a while to like really kind of get into playing at that kind of up tempo thing while still improvising and i think having language down is like just so helpful for that because i've seen how it helps me yeah but um yeah, that's cool, man. I need to go and check that out because I really love Brad Melder. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane solo. So it's that one, and then um, uh, Jacob Collier's the Flintstones one. Nice. Was that a solo? Did you do that all on like solo guitar? Am I right? No, or was that a melody thing? Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, so, uh, oh no, it was. I played it with him, like the track, but it was yeah, just all guitar, and it was right, um, cool, cool. like he did one chorus of melodic solo, and then he did like a trading between his vocal and the melodica and um i I tried like i kind of i I started that transcription a year before i posted that and i tried to learn it but it was too too much for me and i I just kind of gave up after a a week or something of trying to get even like that first line i had no idea what to do uh with it and then um i just gave it a go like whenever like two weeks before i posted it and was like oh i'm gonna do it in two weeks i'm gonna practice nothing else i'm just gonna smash it out see if i can get it
0: um how much time do you think it took you
1: i guess it was a couple of hours each day just going through different things i guess i, I like i was doing other stuff because obviously uni was was um was happening and i had to do stuff without write tunes or whatever but um yeah yeah it was it was kind of two weeks of work probably like two or three hours A day just trying to, and I guess this getting the speed up was the hardest thing because it's so ridiculously fast. I got up to like 80%. I was like, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to be able to push this any higher than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, so after that, I realized basically with those fast transcriptions, even Brad or Chris, um, you have to leave out a lot of notes for it to work on guitar. For some reason, the sax and piano, they can do a lot more notes in a like a quick space like that so I left out like half the notes within those lines and just like tried to figure out what all the important ones were and um, often it's like running up a really fast scale like a sax or piano can do that really quick guitar comes sometimes like the position and the fingerings are kind of odd so I just turned it into a sweep like just an arpeggio so I'd find what scale it was and just like it down to a sweep oh, see, because a sweep just, uh, is quicker abbreviate it for a guitar exactly or something. man. yeah yeah to abbreviate a lot in that jacob one
0: yeah nice i remember like there's been a couple of transcriptions i've worked on and i've just been like all right all the notes are fine mm-hmm. but it's actually getting up to speeds that is just so hard man i remember um do you know the solo i mean you probably do in lingus snarky puppy yeah yeah yeah. i remember transcribing a keyboard solo uh, when it starts to kick into the melody and yeah it's really nice kind of interesting uh, from what I remember like just a lot of augmented ideas just over like a it's like an, a it pedal, an E pedal isn't it yeah yeah E um and that was cool I learned a lot but when it's starting to like really kick into like 16s and mm even higher than that it was like getting that to speed was just it was so tricky for me mm. and i think i just gave up after like yeah. i don't know how long but it was the same like transfer Cold Train stuff yeah. like trying to get into giant steps and like lift some of the ideas in that solo and it's like a lot of them just kind of repeat the same idea s- sort of but yeah. just the speed is so bloody fast i find it's like you really just have to get get slow and like really kinda of work on that and I guess just work it up in increments, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I really did with the Jacob one. But
1: then another thing that another just idea that I've always had and I've always applied to practice is is just um is just kind of pushing the boundary and just going for it. Like trying like twice as fast as what you're intending or something. So just like going ah, above right. and beyond what you're aiming for. Um, and it's an idea that I got from like an old Sean Lane video. He was kind of huge as well, um, right. for me, uh, in developing just technique and stuff because his
0: technique is probably the, the most ferocious I've ever seen on guitar. <laughs> right. Definitely. Say. Uh, sorry, just quick question. When you mean going above and beyond, do you mean like, for example, doing the, uh, Jacob Collar transcription at 120% or do you mean like when you're, oh, you do mean that Right, I thought you were meaning, like, when you're trying to get to that tempo, it's like, you need to kind of, like, in your mind, overshoot everything, and then eventually you work up to being at the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you could drop that,
1: too. That might work. Um, But, yeah, it was just, push, like, punching it up heaps fast. Right. So, I think Jacob Collier, like, I tried at 110 and probably, yeah, 120, as I said, just to see, like, if I could get that speed up and then once you do that like your ears it's almost like your ears control a lot of it as well like how fast you can play because once you hear it that fast like the normal tempo doesn't sound as fast anymore so your ears go oh this isn't as much and then you just try it and you're instantly like way better than what you were before
0: yeah I have that problem with students quite a lot when I'm teaching them a song or tune or whatever it may be and we we learn like the harmonic information and then we slow the track down a bit and they get used to doing that and then i put it to full tempo and they're like it's so fast and it's like well no it's not it's just you've like your ear is in control of that because it's not actually even a fast tune it's just you're, you need to take your time and but yeah that's cool nice a lot of like really kind of insightful stuff there i think um it'd be good to wrap it up with like maybe one one final question. And it's one that um, I think I probably know your answer to now based on our conversation. But in fact, there's two things. But the first thing is, um, what are your thoughts on the, I guess, the argument of. uh, All right, you're you're kind of getting into jazz and say you're inspired by people like just say like modern, modern players, right, who are all definitely inspired by the older stuff. Would you recommend, or what's what's your uh, da, 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 your your what are your thoughts on learning tradition or jumping in where it's at now, and like just running with that? Yeah, I used to think
1: about this heaps, man, because I was I was a person who just like by the artists I mentioned, I just kind of jumped into the modern stuff. Like Chris Potter is a very very modern player, um, Barelli the Grand Sylvain Luke, like they have strong. Traditional backgrounds, and I knew that I understood where they come from, like Django Reinhardt. But I, I was more attracted to them than the traditional stuff, for sure. Um, yeah. Coltrane, Cannibal Adderley, more interested in listening them to kind of their predecessors, um, and even with like uh, more like guitarists, like Guthrie Govan, I just listened to him, and I had no. Besides, like the tunes are awesome. I, had, I didn't really want to learn like a Jimi hendrix line i just couldn't bring myself to want to do that um even though i knew how awesome it was and yeah i respected it heaps of course um so i always thought ah maybe i'm just i'm missing out heaps and i put a lot of thought into it. i was just like ah i was kind of frustrated with myself why i couldn't force myself to sit down and and learn some of their lines to, to put context into the stuff i was learning from guthrie or chris um, but now I like, I've kind of, I just think like, you're going to get the most out of, um, what you're truly interested into, in, in, truly interested in, and what kind of inspires you. You're going to get the most out of that no matter what. So I think it's ultimately best to follow that, um, those desires rather than kind of forcing yourself to try and learn something that you're only 50% invested in. You're going to be, um, you're going to be kind of looking for excuses to not do it and and you're just yeah. not going to get the most out of it, really. So, it's it almost I see it as like kind of besides getting down a very traditional and like foundational material, you're kind of wasting your time because most often or not, that material is just going to get lost, I reckon. Like you're just not going to remember it because it didn't like give you a spark to begin with, essentially. that's yeah. kind of like how I see it. No, now. no,
0: I... Yeah, I feel you on that, and I think um, the counter argument uh, is often that well, you're learning a language here. Um, say, obviously, music's a language, but jazz is the uh, the, uh, the the specific language, and having like uh, say like the good grammar and all that sort of stuff that comes from learning how to use the language correctly and where it's come from, and I guess it's similar to like understanding a bit of Latin if you yeah. uh, speak English in a way but then I don't know as, as I think it's an interesting topic for discussion and I don't have a personal uh, answer because I don't think I've been as invested in it as some of the other people I speak to yeah um but I definitely know that right now I'm more attracted to the sound of Mike Merino than if I was to go back and mm. I don't know study some some other stuff that i wasn't attracted to it's like it would feel like a bit of slog and um i think it's definitely good advice to like follow your ear and wherever that's going to take you just hang out with that for a bit
1: yeah yeah definitely and i guess like your ear is always changing as well so if you might be into that for a while like the the more modern stuff but then like you might just get a spark of wanting to know um what kind of language in enforce their their kind of language as well so you yeah. want to get back to the tradition which I found like a huge kind of Django period and Charlie Parker as well um yeah yeah listen to them heaps but it was it was always after the more modern players Michael yeah. Brecker another big one like I was just wanted to learn his language I didn't want to learn anybody else yeah. for a long time um yeah. So
0: yeah, I don't know. Cool, nice. All right. So topping it off, uh advice for young musicians. All right. You're obviously young yourself and I mean we're both pretty young, but yeah. someone like maybe getting into jazz or like starting to get into improvised music, what's your advice? Ooh. It's so hard
1: without knowing like a person's goal. Yeah. I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Without the goal it's hard to say but I guess like the biggest things that have helped me um in my journey like of learning how to improvise uh, understand tunes um is probably transcription i reckon that's the biggest thing for me and i recommend everybody just getting into it and picking their favorite line from their favorite song and and learning it and then not just kind of learning it but also understanding how it relates to um what music theory you know at that given time and see if you can learn more from it and figure out what chord it's going over, what chords it's connecting or whatever. And, um, and then beyond that kind of apply it to different chords. So like if a line's a C major line, um, try it out in like E minor or try it out in A minor and see how it sounds F major. Um, and then also just like try it out in a completely different key. So if it's a C major line, try it out in B major, like over a B major chord and see if you can play that line and then land in B major. You might get like a really
0: wild outside sound or like C major. So you mean like take take the C major line, play it in C over B? Yeah. Yeah, just... Yeah, just I thought I thought you were going for the whole 12 key thing there of like okay, actually we'll move, move the... the
1: but yeah, yeah, that's cool. I guess that's... Yeah, that's, uh, that's another one. Just getting it through the keys. And on guitar, I guess there's... Uh, four positions you can do most lines in if you're thinking they're going across three strings, you have your six string position, fifth string, fourth string and third string positions yeah. for most lines Um, so just understanding those four positions of each thing and, and figuring out like what kind of fingering works best for you Um, like that's kind of a reason why I don't transcribe too many guitarists it's because I kind of want to follow their fingering but it often doesn't really work for me, so I like I prefer transcribing sax plays because I can make my own fingering completely, and try about yep. like three or four, Pardon me, three or four different ones and see which ones feel better. So I reckon that yeah, for young users wanting to learn to improvise better and understand uh, theory and um, and tunes yeah transcription and then. Um, I guess also improvisation, a huge tool that's helped me is just like single chord backing tracks. So just jamming over like an awesome groove, just one yeah. chord, and just going for it. And seeing, I think another huge one related to that is is actually playing like a continuous line, because often like people just play in phrases, but like if you learn how to string like this huge line together that doesn't stop for like a minute. Um, you like connect like five or six different pieces of transcribed material together or like even more I mean it's going to be a lot more if it's if it's a whole minute line yeah. um, and then you start to figure out like how you can transition between different transcribed pieces of information and how they all link together because their fretboard isn't that vast once you start to do that I guess like it just opens up the fretboard completely you start to see yeah. how they connect what notes are the same You might, like, a a certain little fingering thing is in one lick and it's also in another lick, so you can, like... It's, like, train tracks, like, they can cross over at that point and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, and I guess it's really fun. You just start slow, like, it crotchets, run through, and then you might try, like, eighths, sixteenths, and, like, triplets, same kind of thing, just through the different subdivisions over that one chord groove. Um, Yeah, I started doing that maybe three years ago... No, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um with an awesome saxophone teacher called Mike rivet at the con, I had him for a year and a half. Um, yeah, and that like just opened up the door completely for outside playing, because once you start to play inner key, you start to introduce um, outside ideas. Like you might be playing C minor, doing kind of C minor pentatonic stuff, and then you might say like, okay, I'm gonna add a D major triad into that C major, C minor, sorry, C minor pentatonic, but every now and then I have three notes um, D, A, and F sharp that I can slip in, and see how they sound over C minor as well. And you just do that for all like the arpeggios. Um, yeah, and that's just sweet. Fun way of practicing.
0: <laughs> yeah, man. No, that's tons of stuff to check out for sure. So um, it's been great talking to you, man. I hope yeah, you, yeah. It's um, been a pleasure. Hope man. you fun. For me fun. And yeah, have have fun at Nam, right? Thanks so much, man.
1: Yeah it's
0: gonna be good that concludes episode four of sitting in i hope you enjoyed that i really did it's always nice to chat to other musicians about what they're up to and kind of how they're getting around practicing and all that kind of stuff so i hope you enjoyed that uh if you want to support what i'm doing teespring.com forward slash sitting in dash podcast i'll see you next week